0: Heavenly Father, in a world world so often of folly, we pray that you would make us into wise people. Thank you for all that you've been teaching us these last few um, weeks and months. Thank you for just the reality of Proverbs. Father, guard us please from simply just skirting over ideas and thoughts and... And not chewing, not meditating, not
1: processing what it is you say through your words. Give us clarity as we come to what can be a difficult passage. Help us to hear your voice. And by your spirit might we be those who who live it out. For your glory, for our good. Amen.
0: One of them... One of the things that's really challenged me in this series in Proverbs these last few weeks is the fact that the wisdom here is so day-to-day, it is so normal. Maybe as you've been dipping into Proverbs with us in between holidays or as you've been reading through Proverbs, as Dave challenged us in that first week, maybe you felt some of that. Wisdom's not so much clever sayings, lofty ideas, but it's on the ground. It's nitty-gritty, it's normal. One moment we're in the realm of parenting. And then the next moment, we're in the realm of business, making wise decisions, and then we're speaking, and our words and our, our tongue are under the microscope, and, and then he's looking at our bank statements, thinking, how do we spend our money? Are we generous? What kind of a relationship with money do we have? What do we long for? Are we wise? And then, and then it's food and hospitality, and then our workplace and relationship with, with boss and how we work and whether we're lazy and idle, and then, and then again and again and again as you come through the book, it's... Pushback after pushback. When we see we're not that wise, how do we cope with that? How do we cope with critique and correction? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to change? Is there this hard-hearted pride in us or soft-hearted humility where the Lord finds us out? What do you do then? And we've seen that the pages of Proverbs reflect the hot-pot nature of our experience of the everyday. Because that is our week, isn't it? The decisions we have to make, the reality of life. Wisdom is... Wisdom is not in the realm of simply the theoretical or the rational, some sort of spiritual retreat by a guru up a mountain. No. Wisdom is glory in the everyday. Normal people doing normal things. And this passage, I think, in Proverbs 31, again, lifts up that normality for us. It rejoices in our day-to-day vocational Monday-to-Sunday living. Wisdom in the drudgery of normal life was we encounter all sorts of people in all sorts of situations with all sorts of challenges.
1: And yet, let me ask you a question as we read Proverbs 31, as Christine read it for us. How did you feel? as that passage was read.
0: I can imagine there are all kinds of different reactions, emotions, questions, to Proverbs 31. Various things will have bobbed to the surface. But for now, I just want to ask us one question, and that is, who is this woman? Not Charlotte, this woman.
1: <laughs>
0: or oh, my daughter. Who is this woman in Proverbs 31? Who is she? Um, There have been many ideas down the ages in Proverbs 31 as to who this woman actually is. I'm going to give us two things today. And I want to say I think she is both of them. I want to have my cake and I want to eat it. Okay, so firstly, I think she is an extraordinary wise woman. Okay, I think she is an extraordinary wise woman. So let me ask that question again, how did you feel as we read about this woman? Maybe for some of us we're thinking, well, it doesn't apply. Maybe you're a bloke. And if you're honest, you sort of switched off, it's describing a, a, a woman of noble character, verse um, 10. We sort of zone out somewhere. For others, maybe the description makes us feel, if we're honest, a bit uneasy. Because there's a real sense, isn't there, in which she can feel unattainable. She is beyond us. She is the stuff of cheesy Christian greetings cards. And there's this danger of the description, if we're honest, inspiring guilt and shame in us. I mean, who can live up to her? What was King Lemuel's mum doing as she described her to him? Which is the context in 31, 1-9. She reads like some kind of omnicompetent superwoman who can do everything, who who it seems barely needs sleep. There is no mention of caffeine. (laughs) Uh, And this this culture we have of compulsive comparisons that we can so easily slide into ourselves and we read of her and maybe we feel crushed. Because we look back at this last week and we know how we've done.
1: And in a sense she can highlight how far short we fall, whoever we are. Maybe there are others of us as we
0: react to it, and we are cheering because we see a woman who is amazing, and she is praised because she is amazing. There is no mention of her outward beauty. There is simply mention of her abilities. She is strong, she is wise, she is good. And I think there is something in that. I think the sense in which this passage is meant to be a bit subversive. It's her actions and her attitudes, not her appearance, that are in view and that are praised. And in a more patriarchal society in which this was written, I think it's a deliberate thing that she is a she. And that she's praised by her husband, by her children, by her family, even by her community. Where at times the Bible can be criticised for being patriarchal, here is a beautiful, respectful description. Maybe you ought to push back slightly against that criticism. I mean, let's just have a look through at some of the actions and attitudes that mean this extraordinary woman is praised. Have a have a flyover with me, if you like. Verse 13, do you see? She's, she's not lazy, but she is practical, she is diligent. There she is, working with her hands. Verse 15, alarm clock set. Up at the crack of dawn, she provides for herself and her household. Verse 16, as well as a mum, she's a businesswoman making wise business ventures. Do you see all the stuff that would go on behind verse 16? She, she assesses that it's good land. She's got a knowledge of agriculture, presumably, which means it's good soil, which means good grapes, which means good harvests, which means her community will be blessed, ultimately. Verse 20, skip down. She doesn't just use, in 20, she doesn't just use her wealth to care for her own family. But even more than that, she, she's, She's big-hearted, and so as she manages finances, she cares for the poor and needy of the area. She seems to have something of God's heart for the outcast. His care and concern for those who especially
1: need our care and concern. She's, She's kind to those who probably won't repay that kindness.
0: And then verse 19, verse 21, verse 22, verse 24 even, she she is practical and creative. Who is this woman? She's on the loom, presumably, making clothes for her family, making sheets for her beds. Verse 21, she has confidence in her future such that it doesn't matter if it snows because she's made clothes, her her family will be fine, Her, her people will be protected even if it's freezing cold. Or again verse 25, she has a confidence which means she can laugh at the days to come. What's coming around the corner doesn't really matter to her, not in a way that minimizes the potential of suffering or hardships, but simply because she lacks fear, she, she lacks anxiety. Verse 26, her words are wise. She speaks with wisdom. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. And she's an amazing parent. Verse 28, her, her children arise and call her blessed. Just sounds a bit far-fetched, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, at our breakfast table in the morning, people can barely string a
1: coherent sentence together. And maybe we say, what is the secret to this kind of life? What is
0: it? Is there a 12-step plan we can follow? Is there a blog we can subscribe to? Are there books we can read that will maximise productivity? Does she have a YouTube channel? No, verse 30. I think this is it. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised.
1: Do you see that? Her fear of the Lord seems to be at the root of it all. And it's from these roots that then faithfulness
0: and fruitfulness seems to come. Her her fear of the Lord shapes how she lives in the world. Which means a focus on inner life rather than the outer. Charm, do you see verse 30 is deceptive. Charm can be learnt and adopted and put on. Beauty even, I guess, can be put on with clothes and makeup and jewellery. They're outward things. They are fleeting. But a fear of the Lord comes when we have a recognition of who we are and who he is. And what it means to live in his world. And so it's from these
1: roots... But this kind of fruit seems to grow. Striking as well, actually, if you sweep um, over it again, that her breadth of influence is really important.
0: It starts small, and then it seems to expand out in concentric circles. So initially it seems to be domestic, her own space, her own life, her own people, her home, and then that builds into the community where she has a reputation. The neighbourhood around, praise her, and then even further afield, it seems, there's an international reach. That's there in verse 14. She, she is like the merchant or Gentile ships bringing her food from afar. I think that's an interesting, I think, is that a simile? I'm looking at clever people. Is that a simile rather than a metaphor? Because it's like, isn't it? I think that's a simile. Thank you. Izzy Gregg nods, we're happy. <laughs> It's an interesting simile because a merchant ship in those days would have meant being a Gentile ship. They were Phoenicians. Israel didn't really have boats in those days. and so It's as if he's saying she's, she's got an influence that is far from home. She would buy and she would sell and she would trade overseas. It's as if her reach is beyond the local sphere. It's global. She is like a Gentile ship.
1: As if she is quite extraordinary. I think she is deliberately quite extraordinary. But I think these verses are not there as a
0: stick to bash us and make us feel guilty and inadequate and insufficient.
1: These verses are here to stimulate and to inspire and to motivate us. And to think, wow. Wow, fearing the Lord... Over time, look what that results in. It looks amazing in the everyday. It looks extraordinary. Historically, um, through church history, Ruth has been put forward um, as the example of this, a woman of noble
0: character. Her kindness and her faithfulness, her fruitfulness, her, her nobility. And I think that inspirational, motivational sense of these verses is there. In a room like this, there'll be different people at different stages, different ages, and perhaps it is good to reflect upon them and to meditate how our fear of the Lord is working out, to to ask God to help us grow in wisdom, that we might live lives like her in one sense. In an age of infinite opportunities, it's it's good at times just to take stock and think, how are we stewarding what we have,
1: opportunities that we have, are we being fruitful? It's It's a good thing to be challenged by. She's an extraordinary wise woman, firstly. Who is she? She's an extraordinary wise woman,
0: but I think more than that. I think secondly, and perhaps more importantly, she's an example of the way of wisdom. Okay, she's an example of the way of wisdom. What do I mean by that? Proverbs, in a metaphorical sense for all of us, is a book about marrying the right woman. Okay, for all of us, Proverbs is a book about marrying the right woman. Do you remember that? At the start of Proverbs, all those weeks ago, we looked at a number of chapters and Proverbs where, if you like, you had Miss Lady Adultery Folly described for us in detail. Do you remember? She was seeking to attract and to allure and to seduce Solomon's son. She was making him empty promises.
1: And Solomon warned his son, steer clear of her. Stay away. Don't go there. She might promise you much. won't ever deliver. She will ruin you. And so do you see where this is going? These verses, these verses might be less about an actual extraordinary wise woman and more about a personification of wisdom. Does sense? Here is the story of Lady Wisdom, which means they're not just tacked
0: onto the end of the book for greetings cards. There's a sort of slightly random addendum at the end, a bit of a gear change. Here's a wife of noble character, but rather they are a fitting conclusion to the end of the book. This is what wisdom looks like dressed up as a lady. In fact, we've met her already. Um, If you know Proverbs, uh, we've met her in chapter 9. Could you look up chapter 9 if you have a church Bible and could you shout out a page number? 642, thank you. Proverbs chapter 9
1: and verse 1. Page 642 if you've got one of the Burgundy Bibles. We've met Lady Wisdom already. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up
0: its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her servants. And she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says. Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of
1: insights. So do you see, it's the start of the book. And it's a party. And we're invited, all who are simple, we're prepared to call ourselves simple.
0: All who have no sense, verse 4, if we're prepared to admit that. And the invites are going out to people like us, and she needs an RSVP, but we are encouraged along to the party, Lady Wisdom inviting us round for a meal with her. She says, come on, you really need to get to know me. You really do, and verse
1: 6, and you will live. You will walk in the way of insights. And we reach the end of the book. And what's happened? We, we married her. Isn't it amazing? Here
0: we see a full life lived with Lady Wisdom. Despite all the appealing alternatives, despite Dame Folly and all her advances, we pursued Lady Wisdom. The conclusion of the book is a life of wisdom. We found her, we married her. And we see the fruit of that now. This is what a wise life looks like. This is Lady Wisdom personified in glorious technicolour. Let me try and give you a few examples of how this bit at the end ties in with some of the stuff from earlier. There are lots. I'm just going to give us three. Um, So if you want to look it up, then do. But 3 verse 15 and 8 verse 11. There were proverbs there that said wisdom was as precious as rubies. 3 verse 15, she, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her.
1: But then have a look at 31 verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find, she is... She is what? Far more than rubies. Here is wisdom being painted as a wife. Or again, right back at the start of the book, 1 verse 8, the wise teaching of his
0: mother, Solomon's wife, that would have been, was to be a garland to grace his head. And then here at the end we see wisdom, verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She's teaching family well. Wise words there tying in with wise words here, instructing others, instructing the family and the household. Or well, one more, um, chapter 8 and verse 19 to 21. Um, you see wisdom providing what we need. So chapter 8, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and make their treasuries full. Wisdom means that we are fruitful. And so here... we see she lacks nothing of value. Wisdom is worked out in fruitfulness and provision in what we need. You see, the fruit of wisdom is treasure and riches and prosperity in a way that matters and lasts. And this lady wisdom has abundantly all those things.
1: It's as if the book has concluded and we've wrestled, and here we are now, with a wise life. Chapters
0: one to nine, we were encouraged to pursue wisdom, look for wisdom, grasp wisdom, go after wisdom, search it, find it out. Ten to thirty, we've got this scattergun of wisdom, different sayings in different areas of life, challenge, correction, critique. And then here in
1: thirty-one, here in thirty-one, we see a life of wisdom personified in this woman. We've stopped and wrestled and marinated and meditated on these proverbs. And suddenly we see what wisdom looks like. Which I think means that this chapter is not just a chapter for women. Obviously. It's more than that. It's for people who have understood how the book of Proverbs works, how who have marinated in wisdom, and who now live the wise life. We're all meant to deeply long for this kind of wisdom. Wisdom in all the little nitty-gritty aspects of the daily mess of our lives.
0: Imagine, Imagine being a part of a church like that. Where you look around the room and you see wisdom lived out. People who have taken challenge, correction, critique, and who have, by his help, been changed. Because we fear the
1: Lord, verse 30. Our posture towards God shaping, shaping the rest of the week in everything. And yeah, I think there's a danger if we leave it just there. There's a danger because we live this side of the
0: cross. As Dave began the service, we're part of a story, we are part of God's story and what he is doing. And yet, we are not quite where the people were who received these proverbs initially. We are this side of Jesus, waiting for his return. And because we live this side of the cross, and there are two false moves that we can make. They told us that these last couple of weeks. I listened in. The first false move, both dead ends, the first is that Proverbs becomes a kind of textbook for wisdom for us. You know, we read a chapter a day like we're meant to, and we end up feeling weighed down. And if we can just do it on our own, if we can just be wise enough, and if I can just nail enough of the Proverbs, enough of the time, then basically God must be happy with me. Because my life looks pretty successful and okay. My life is together, I'm accepted
1: by him. We're confident before God, we're confident about our future, not because of Jesus, but because of how we're living, because of our wisdom. So there's one danger.
0: The second danger is we think we don't need to, re- need, we don't need to read Proverbs. you yeah, know, I'm in Christ, I'm, I'm righteous, he is happy with me, we're all good. It doesn't really matter how, much, how I live actually, because I'm forgiven, and I'm in Christ, and he's
1: happy with me, and I'll just crash on as I am, okay? Jesus has got me. And yeah, Both are wrong of course, because we are in
0: Christ, and yet we are not yet finished. He is transforming us into his likeness. We are seeking to live for him, we are longing to be faithful, we are longing more and more and more to reflect Our Father. Those are the two dangers that Dave outlined. The third one, I think, is this. The third is that wisdom can feel like a bunch of ideas. Wisdom can feel rational and distant and a philosophy. And we read chapter 31 and maybe think, "Okay, I buy it. I'm inspired. I want to live a wise life. I want to be like this extraordinary woman, wisdom personified.
1: And yet it still feels a bit philosophical. And theoretical. But we have the last page of the book. And we know that wisdom is not a something, wisdom is a someone. Because we know we have Christ. I can put it like this we want to be like the Proverbs 31 wise woman
0: because she is a shadow of Christ. He is the true, wise one. If you like, he is true wisdom personified with the volume turned right up as far as it will go.
1: He is God's wisdom incarnate. What does that mean and how does that pan out? I just want to give you a few examples
0: from 31. Maybe important words, important themes, important
1: ideas. And we see them in part in Lady Wisdom. Jesus had them in totality.
0: I take it firstly and foundationally, Jesus, as he took on flesh, in one sense, feared the Lord, his Father. As he grew in wisdom as a child into a man, so he listened and trusted and obeyed and submitted. And so Lady Wisdom here fears the Lord, verse 30,
1: while well, so did Christ perfectly. As he even said, yet not my will, but your will. Or provision. We've seen that a few times. She works diligently with
0: great skill to provide for her family. And so Christ perfectly provides what his children need. He is the perfect provider for his family. He provides himself. He provides
1: forgiveness, reconciliation as well as daily needs. Or or she is trustworthy, her husband, it says, looks to her and trusts her fully with
0: everything he has. Wisdom can be trusted and yet Jesus is the one who will fully, finally, perfectly be trustworthy. He will never deceive us, he will never let us down, he will never pull a fast one, whatever we're going through,
1: Whatever the cloud is that is hanging over us at the moment, we can trust him. Or compassion. She, she's concerned for her family, she's concerned for the poor and
0: the needy of the area we've seen, those who have nothing. Well, so Christ is the one who provides what is needed. He is kind to those whom others are not kind to. Or confidence about the future. She doesn't live with anxiety about what's coming. She laughs at the days to come. So, again, we can trust Christ. It's more that he not only has no fear of the future, but he has
1: the future in his hands. He's got it covered. He's got you covered. He's got this year covered. We can trust him. We can be confident about the future because we are in him and because he is good. Whatever comes. Or or her words. Her words are filled with wisdom, we saw. She teaches her children well, well, Whilst Jesus is perfectly wise.
0: His words are always good. His teaching can be
1: confidently built upon. He is the place we need to go for wisdom. And her reaches across the waters, She's like a Gentile merchant. So Jesus' reaches reaches to the ends of the earth. And finally, she is praiseworthy. Her husband and her children publicly
0: praise her. They they recognize they are blessed. Her works are to bring praise from the community and from all around. How much more Jesus. He is so good. We've we've sung songs. To him already this morning we've thanked him for his praiseworthiness
1: because he is so good one person puts it like this summarizing some of those ideas they say we see a
0: saviour who is trustworthy to provide for his people and is compassionate to those in need he gives us confidence in the future so we can live with hope and his words are filled with truth and wisdom because of christ's provision and care we rise up and praise him jesus is lady wisdom incarnate he is the word who became flesh he is the one who rescues those who are tempted to folly
1: to follow woman folly down the paths that lead to death christ is infinitely more praiseworthy the praise that she receives here the wisdom receives here will seem tiny To what Jesus will receive
0: with millions around his throne for all eternity. He is the truly wise one. He is the truly praiseworthy one. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea. And all that is in them saying. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb.
1: Be praise and honour and glory and power. Forever and ever. The wisdom she gets here. It's nothing compared to the praise that Jesus will receive. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we, we long to be wise. We long to so fear you, Lord. But that is seen in a fruitful life, in all areas of life.
0: And we look at Lady Wisdom here and we see we see some of that wisdom worked out for interactions in her, her home, in the community, in a business environment
1: through how she speaks, through her creativity. And we long that you would change us to be people who reflect more of that kind of wisdom. And so we pray that you would make us more like Christ. Be truly wise one. Might we be a church, might we be people, please, who live out that life of wisdom, who people look at, perhaps a cynical watching world look at, and see something of who you are and what you're like, because of the wisdom that you've, you've put in us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.